The following is a special presentation of high school sports. It's the High School Coaches Show. Here's your host, Justin Kenny. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, oh, man, can we restart the show? Welcome in to the Crumbag Chevrolet High School Coaches Show. Already having way too much fun here. I'm Justin Kenny, D.C. Hendricks, and a special guest in the studio, so we don't have to call him, is Mr. Dan Vance. He's supposed to be the host tonight, but uh, I was able to rush in here to everybody's disappointment. But uh, Well, the way you started the show, I feel like you should stay should in wherever off. you were at. Shut my, see, I'm going to shut my mic off. Right? Just shut it off. Let's just go, see. Let's just go. Day advance only. This is the week four edition. It is week four, right? Week four edition of the high school coaches show presented by Crumback Chevrolet here on ESPN Radio 1380, 100.9 FM. I'm Justin Kenny. He is Dan Vance and DC Hendricks as well. Is typing away here till seven o'clock. Uh, some coaches coming up in a very pivotal week four. We're going to break some key matchups down here in just a little bit. Uh, Paul Sade, Cherubusco Eagles will be on about six fifteen. Jason Garrett, head coach of the Bishop Dwinger Saints, bottom of the hour. We'll talk about that showdown coming up at Shields Field on Friday night against the Homestead Spartans. Battle of undefeateds. And speaking of undefeated, Pete Kempf, DeKalb Barons, his team, 3-0. and For the first time since, I want to say, 2001? It's been a while. Uh, they will host undefeated East Noble Knights in a game that I don't think it is an exaggeration to say is the biggest game in the 21st century for the DeKalb Barons. And uh sounds like a stretch, but I really don't think it is. 3-0 versus 3-0. Uh, trying to make a statement and some early momentum in the Northeast State. And that will be a game we'll, we'll break down with Coach Kempf. But plenty to talk about with my friend and yours from outside the huddle.net, Dan Vance. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like you got it together finally. Well, that's so never been the case. Makes it, makes it easier. DC has himself a nice new outside the huddle shirt. We can put the long national nightmare to bed, folks, because DC Hendricks has an outside the huddle shirt. He is wearing it right now. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I don't think he's really taken it off since last Friday. I don't know why you would. It's a high quality shirt. Uh, he is a, asking for advertising uh, money, however. So well, he's he's big on the music scene around locally, so it's, it's a great combo starter. And it's either he completely trashes us when people ask about it, which is entirely likely, or he talks us up. Either or. He hasn't crossed it out with Red Sharpie yet, so I think we're I think think he just puts tape over it when he goes out. (laughs) There's a big X through it, making a statement. But, uh, yeah, we can, after last week's, there there was some some heated discussion off air about said T-shirt. It is now in D.C. Hendricks' hands and on his back, literally, so we can move on. But uh, now he's probably going to be making other demands. Probably. Probably. He's kind of a diva. Kind of. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> this is great because usually it's just DC and I and he can defend himself. Now he has nothing to talk. He's going to have to get up and physically grab a mic. He's going to defend himself. But, uh, Dan, okay, let's let's talk football, I guess. Um, with, through, the, through the first three weeks... Um, any surprises uh, that you have noticed and, and, and seen uh, in the area? Because once we re- reach week three, it's like, okay, now we can start making some, some pretty accurate, um, you know, 
kind of I don't want to say uh, you know descriptions of these teams, but at, you know predictions on where these teams are at, what they have, what they don't have. Anything stand out in terms of a surprise? I mean, I guess there's a couple of things that you could call surprises, um, but only vague ones. I really think uh, Angola sitting at zero and three on. You know, just to look at it, that's so shocking because they've gone through two straight regular seasons undefeated. Uh, for them to be 0-3, could easily go to 0-4 this week. That's a big surprise. I'm going to call it the Cowboys surprise just because we haven't seen it. There was a lot of hype going into the season. Uh, Evan Eshbach coming over at quarterback. A lot of this team returned. We knew the Cowboys going to be good, but until you see it, uh, it's got to be a surprise. Win over Angola in week one is good. Win over Garrett in week two is okay. Went at New Haven in week three on the turf, uh, beating them on the ground, beating them athletically a lot of times uh, was really strong. So I got to say that DeKalb is a little bit of a surprise because we hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I agree. Angola, uh, you look, could very well go 0-4. Like you said, they play West Noble this week. DeKalb also a good one. SAC, I think... We felt, okay, the big three have shown themselves as the big three. DeWanger, Snyder, and Homestead through the first three weeks. And then we felt, okay, there's going to be a lot of teams in that four to nine category that you could put anywhere. I think Carroll is a solid four. And then I think there's a significant drop to everyone yeah. else. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think it's it's a pretty big drop off there. And we, we kind of knew that there was going to be a top uh, of course, we were thinking it was going to be just the top three and then not a big gap between four and nine. But I think there's a couple of big drops there. You drop off to the North Rip Concordia Lures. And then I think another big drop off to Northside, Southside and Wayne, which, you know, we knew they lost a lot. But I think it's really surprising uh, when you talk about those things to see them at 0-3. Uh, they put up some good points in a couple of games. But for them to drop some games that uh, even last week against Northrop that we probably thought they were going to win in the preseason. Looking at the NE8, I'm not comparing the NE8 1 to 8 to the SAC 1 to 10, but in terms of competitive balance, 1 to 7 in the Northeast 8 minus Belmont, I mean, I think it's as competitive as a conference as we have in Northeast Indiana, probably the most competitive. Yeah, and you look at teams there that weren't expected to be necessarily super competitive, and you're looking at Norwell right now, uh, who they sit in a pretty good position at 2-1, and one, but in the conference, they just competed with Leo in that classic 3-2 to two battle. Uh, Huntington North just played very well against East Noble in a game that we wouldn't have thought was going to be as close. And New Haven sitting at 0-3, but that's still a very good football team. This is a really competitive conference, and it's going to be interesting now that we're getting into conference season uh, and really seeing what's going to happen. A lot of teams could still win this conference. Is Adam Central at 3-0 and a surprise, or did we kind of... Uh probably doubt Adam Central a bit too much in the preseason. I think they're a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, it's an Adam Central system that works. It's always worked. You don't necessarily have the, what we would call, highest caliber players like they did the last couple of years, not to knock what they currently have uh, with the likes of Ben Vorl and Dallas Schwaller, but it's a system that works. They work in the system. I was out at one of their practices last week taking pictures, observing, and they really run things like a tight ship there. So that part of me doesn't really get surprised by Adam Central being successful. But, yeah, the, you got guys stepping up in major roles that, again, like with DeKalb, until you see it happen, you don't know that it's going to happen. Yeah, Blake Hirely, a sophomore out at Adam Central, has been a, a difference maker as well, one of those guys that needed to step up. All right, Dan, let's look ahead because we have – 
a, a series of pivotal games coming up here in week four. We'll start with the big one in the SAC. Homestead taking the trip over to Shields Field and to play Bishop DeWanger. It's the biggest game in the young history of DeWanger playing at home. Uh, should be a packed house uh, at DeWanger. Get there early. Uh, this is two mirror images in very similar terms in terms of the, the points they're putting up the points they're not allowing, and also the relative weakness of their schedule thus far. So who is in a better position heading into Friday night? Is it the Homestead Spartans led by Luke Goody, or is it the Bishop Dwanger Saints led by Brendan Lytle? I'm going to say it's the Homestead Spartans right now, and it's because... Dwinger, again, is a team that's par for the course. This is what we know. This is what we see. Homestead is riding such a wave. 12 points they've given up on the year. The lowest amount of points they've given up in a three-game stretch in the Chad Zolman era. And so that's that's something new for them. Their offense is so high-powered. And while Homestead has been able to put up points for years, to have that high-powered offense, to have Luke Goody throwing the ball as well as he is, to have Braden Hardwick running the ball as well as he is, I just think that a lot of momentum is in Homestead's corner right now. And this was a team that lost 23-10 to 10 a year ago to Bishop DeWanger. they got a big two-game stretch coming up. They get DeWanger this week. They have Snyder at home next week. So the next two weeks, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for Homestead Spartans because so many people have been talking about Homestead through the first three weeks, but they've beaten Northrop. Middley is 2-1, and one, but knocked that off rel- relatively easily. Took care of Concordia. Shut out Bishop Lewers 51 nothing last week. It's not exactly murderer's row, all due respect to those teams. No, but they, they have looked impressive in, in those games. And so it's going to be interesting, like you said. It's a chance for Homestead uh, not just to prove themselves. If you knock off Bishop Twinger and Snyder, you're in the driver's seat to win this conference for the first time. You know, I know that that's something that has been brought to the forefront. I talked to Jake Archbold last week about that, and he said that this senior class has really brought that to the forefront, kept that at the forefront. That is their goal. Win the victory bell, win the SAC, because if you win the SAC, then you are absolutely playoff ready. And for them to be in the class they're in, you have to be playoff ready. He is Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net, joining us as he does each and every week at 6 o'clock here on the Crumbach Chevrolet High School Coaches Show. Let's look at the Northeast 8. Friday's schedule includes uh, East Noble at DeKalb, Battle of Undefeateds. There's no more impressive 3-0 and in the area, I think, than East Noble. But DeKalb, a team that uh, many felt, like you mentioned, Dan, in the preseason could be that spoiler in terms of the NE8. They knocked off Angola and Garrett. And New Haven, to begin the season, I think that win last week was particularly impressive going in the road to beat a Bulldogs team whose back against was against the wall. Now you have East Noble coming in, battle-tested, a dominant team in this conference for the last several years. It's going to be a great atmosphere in Waterloo in a huge matchup for the Barons. Yeah, I think this is a great week in the Northeast State. I think three of your four matchups uh, are, are fantastic ones headlined by this one. DeKalb has looked fantastic. Evan Eschbach has got a cannon when he throws the ball and lets loose. And he's really going to test uh, East Noble defensive core that has been strong, even though they've given up a lot of points against strong opponents. They're a very strong group. So Eschbach's going to be able to test them. Landed Miller on the ground, ran for another 200 yards last week. DeKalb was able to beat you in a lot of ways. And that's not something we've seen out of DeKalb teams uh, prototypically, and I think that's why they're in this position. But East Noble has something we've talked about every week, and that's Bailey Parker. And yeah. nobody else has a Bailey Parker. He is do-it-all, both sides of the football. I, it, it's a, a heavyweight clash. I'm really excited about that one. To have a week where the SAC and the Northeast State – 
you're not playing for championships, but you got to imagine that the winner of the big games in each of those conference is your de facto favorite now. And especially with Hayden Jones coming back, he was out last week, so another weapon for uh, for Bailey Parker at wide receiver for East Noble. Going to the Northeast Corner Conference, Angola sitting there at 0-3, but 0-0 in terms of the, the big division of the NECC. Uh, they get West Noble, and a lot of people think that Angola goes 0-4 here, but uh, can they slow down Brandon Pruitt, Josh Gross, Kyle Mayhorter, and the West Noble Chargers? Uh, it's another interesting question. They've had some problems with some teams that have been able to rush the ball very well. We saw that against DeKalb Week 1. We saw that against Leo Week 2 and Peyton Ball having such a great game. I, I don't really know what they had to deal with last week. We don't know many details about that game, obviously. Uh, so it, it's going to be a struggle for them. I think that that's something that hopefully they've worked through those first couple of weeks because West Noble's going to put the pressure on them on the ground. And West Noble has something that when I saw him play DeKalb and I saw half of their game against Leo, Neither of those teams have a power back like you have in Brandon Pruitt. So that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting. Is Brandon Pruitt going to be able to power through Angola? Does Angola's defense have a better chance? Because he's not exactly as slippery as a Peyton Wall uh, is or Landon Miller is. So it's a different kind of style for Angola to have to deal with. And you never know until we get there if they've worked through those kinks. But the running game's kind of been their Achilles tail so far. It feels like through three weeks, we usually can pinpoint one or two games in each particular conference that's going to decide the league. And I think, refreshingly, I don't think we're in a situation like that when you look at the SAC, because I think you could make a case of any of four teams knocking off anybody. I throw Carroll in with those big three. You look at the Northeast State that, especially after last week, you have no idea what the heck can happen with Huntington North giving East Noble a battle for the better part of three quarters and Norwell almost beating Leo in a 3-2 game. So I think the NE8 is up for grabs. ACAC, I still think it comes down to South Adams and Adams Central when they play. We felt like maybe Bluffton could be a team that could play spoiler, but South Adams thoroughly dominated them. Woodland now, I just I don't know if they have what it takes uh, to, to compete with those big two. And now with injury uh, at quarterback, uh, it's really going to be difficult for them to put up points, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Woodland's in a, in a rough spot with Ben Reedy going down last Friday night in their game. Obviously still got the win over Heritage, finally put some points on the board. But yeah, the, the ACAC, I think, is down to a two-horse race. But South Adams looked really good on Friday night. Uh, James Arnold setting the school record for passes, touchdown passes in a game. Uh, Aiden Wanner setting the school record for touchdown receptions in a game. And they did that in the first half. They did, yes. And, and I think James Arnold's shortest touchdown pass was like 24 yards. I mean, he was throwing bombs. And there's not going to be a lot of teams in the ACAC. And not a lot of teams in Class 1A, they're going to be able to handle the weapons that South Adams has. They're lining up four or five guys wide that can make big plays. Yeah, this is not a, um, you know, dives and, you know, off tackles and getting crazy and running sweeps as their trick plays. I mean, this is a South Adams team that will spread you out and pick you apart offensively. Yeah, and you look at their receiving core, and Aiden Wanner, obviously, a big part of that, and Nick Miller, a big part of that. You have Nick Stuber, who lines up in the backfield, can run for 100 yards a game easily. Well, you can send him wide, too, and then you got Christian Somerset in the backfield that can run for 100 yards a game. So they have just so many weapons, such a diverse uh, group that they have at South Adams. I was I was surprised. You know, I expected them to beat Bluffton on Friday, but the way they did it, they were up 13 to nothing, 42 seconds into the game. They, they're a thoroughly dominating team. I look forward to South Adams Adams Central here in a couple of weeks. He is Dan Vance of OutsideTheHuddle.net. Dan, would you like to stick around for the rest of the hour? Sure. Okay.
Great. Like I said, he was supposed to be the, the guest co-host tonight or the guest host, and uh, I was able to rush back. So you guys almost avoided me for the evening, but uh, I'm back. But No such luck. I know, and DC's uh, disappointed over there as well. All right, we're going to step out. When we come back, Coach Paul Sade, Chair Busco, Eagles will join us. We'll talk about a team that likes to pack it in and really run it against teams up and down the field. Jason Garrett, Pete Kempf coming up later. You are listening to a Week 4 edition of the Crumbach Chevrolet High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. On the field, your team wants to finish every drive with a score. With a new Chevy from Crumbach Chevrolet, you'll prefer to keep driving. Maybe in the new and redesigned Silverado, the most dependable full-size pickup and best-in-class fuel economy. Or the Equinox, with modern design and technology, all packaged into a safe and versatile crossover. Looking for more family space? Then the mid-size Traverse will get you where you're going in style and comfort. And you can't lose with the Malibu or the all-new Blazer. Score today and find new roads this season with a visit to Crumbach Chevrolet in New Haven. In the aftermath of tragic attacks such as the one at Santa Fe High School in Texas, there is often an increase in hoax threats to schools and other public places. Whether false threats are made on social media, verbally or otherwise, criminals could be locked behind prison doors for up to five years. FBI Deputy Director David Bowditch. The Bureau and its law enforcement partners take each threat seriously. We investigate and fully analyze each threat to determine its credibility. In addition to time behind bars and a fine, other consequences of this crime include emotional distress to students, school personnel, and parents. False threats also drain taxpayer money and divert valuable law enforcement resources away from other critical responsibilities. Making false threats is not a joke. Think before you post. Report threats and suspicious behavior to law enforcement and in emergencies, dial 911. With FBI This Week, I'm Molly Halpern of the Bureau. Hi, I'm Dennis Leary. September 11th is now a national day of service, and I hope you'll join me and so many others who are planning to adopt charities or perform other good deeds in observance of 9-11 this year. Your support will honor those lost and pay tribute to the many who continue to defend our nation here and abroad. So please visit 911day.org today to find out what you can do. Let's make sure that 9-11 doesn't end up being just another day. You love them enough to do anything for them. Dad, can we make 200 cookies for my bake sale tomorrow? Let's do this. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. There's always news about Notre Dame sports and the very latest is covered in the Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Download the Blue Gold Report. Go to ESPNFortWayne.com today. Hey, it's Stiller and Scott Pieri, and we are Birdies and Bogies. Check us out this Saturday at 8 to 9 a.m. Brought to you by Apex Golf Lab and Optimum Performance Sports. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Birdies and Bogies. Fairways and Greens, everybody. For those fortunate enough to help the person who has always been their hero, find the care guides you need to help at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Vicki, how you doing? How's the knee? It's coming along, doctor, but still some soreness. Well, let's see. You know, this soon after surgery, some pain is pretty normal. I was hoping to get more painkillers. The first round worked great. We're being very careful with those now. Prescription painkillers are opioids, same as heroin. It's easy to start taking them, not so easy to stop. 
Last year in America, an average of 40 people died from opioid abuse every day. Long-term addiction has become America's newest health epidemic. So no pills? Vicki, you're doing great. So let's try these anti-inflammatories plus your physical therapy. If the soreness doesn't continue to get better, give me a call. For opioids, the smaller the dose prescribed and taken, the better. Because even a few prescription painkillers can sometimes go a long, wrong way. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Visit orthoinfo.org slash prescription safety. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go! Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to the High School Coaches Show with Justin Kenny on ESPN Radio, 138 at 100.9 FM. Welcome back, everyone, to the Week 4 edition of the Crumbeck Chevrolet High School Coaches Show. It's a three-man booth today. I'm Justin Kenny here with Dan Vance, D.C. Hendricks producing, talking fantasy football between the break, where somebody had the, what was it, the audacity to start uh, Mitch Trubisky over Tom Brady? Yeah. I'm a Bears fan. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> Ouch. I, you don't bench Tom Brady for anybody. No, no, never. Hmm. But you got to do what you got to do, I guess. I guess. Oh, well. So um, we got a lot to come get to this uh, this hour. Paul Sade coming up just a couple seconds. Jason Garrett of Bishop DeWanger will join us bottom of the hour. Pete Kempf, DeKal Barons at about 6.45, taking you to 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, one of the big games coming up on Friday night is a battle in the small school division of the NECC. It's the Cherubusco Eagles hosting the Eastside Blazers. Head coach of the Cherubusco Eagles, is Coach Paul Say joins us right now. Coach, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Uh, we're just living the dream here, Coach. And uh, Oh, man, that, that makes three of us then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're undefeated. I mean, everybody loves you in Turtletown until you lose a game, so you're yeah, living large. Yeah, well, I, I, the Mitch Trubisky thing I agree with, but I'm a Dolphins fan, so I'd take Mitch Trubisky. Ooh, yeah. man. Getting, I don't uh, I don't say that out loud very often, but man. it's true. So. Well, hopefully you have enough players to play this week. Everybody seems to be want to tra- be traded or, or whatever. So uh, you know, jump yeah. off the ship. Apparently. Yeah. They, they, it, hey, I think it'll go well for them. It just it's going to be a long, long season. So. Well, it, yours will be much more exciting, I imagine, and it already has been with three straight wins. I uh, watched you knock off Garrett last week. It was, once again, the Jake Folk-Gage Kelly show. Uh, take us through that game that, uh, before you blinked, you it felt you were really comfortably in the lead at 24-0 before uh, pulling away to win. Well, um, I think the, the key to it was that our defense really set the, the tone early, and, uh, you know, I, the the, the the fielding kid is, is as good of a high school football player, high school athlete for them as anybody uh, that we will play. And so we knew that they, he's not their only weapon. And, and for our defense to kind of get on it early um, made a huge difference. And then once our offense got things figured out, uh, got some communication issues figured out, we, we, we had a, you know, we had some big plays and, and that makes a difference too. When you're, you get a lead and you're having a, 
good time on defense, stopping the run and, and not allowing them to get the pass going. Uh, it makes it a little bit more comfortable for you. And then, obviously, Gage had some uh, some pretty big plays. Um, I think one was 75 and one was 55. And then that's not only to get your guys pumped up, it, it makes it tough to come back from stuff like that. So I think um, had we not had a couple big plays, I think the game goes a whole lot different. And, and I'm not saying we don't win, but it looks different. But it was definitely a good win for us. Coach, I don't want to put Gage's accomplishments to the side, but talk a little bit about Jake Folk because he comes into week four as one of the best rushers in the state of Indiana. For people who are not familiar with Jake, tell us a little bit about his game and what you've been impressed with from Jake so far this year. Well, I think that, um, you know, a lot of people have been asking, hey, did we know, did we know, you know, what Jake was going to, did I know he was going to have 700 yards in the first three weeks of the season? No, I, I didn't know that. I, but I know that he's the type of kid, um, he's a different style running back than what we've had at the fullback position the last couple years. Um, you know, we've had some more stocky guys that were more ground and pound. Jake's more athletic. He's taller. Um, he covers a lot of ground uh, quickly, and he has very good vision. Um, now, we're also running a different style of offense. You know, it's still wing tee, but it's more spread stuff. Um, he fits into that scheme really well, and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, he's one of the reasons that we're running things the way we're running them because we felt like last year he was a halfback for us. Um, we like the way he ran the ball. He runs the ball fast, but he's he's, he's not a finesse runner necessarily. Um, he uses his frame to, you know, to push people out of the way and gets positive yards. He's always falling forward. Um, he is a very focused and determined kid. You know, he, he's he's just the type of kid that he doesn't really care a whole lot about anything other than football right now. Um, you know, wants to go to college. Maybe he goes and plays football, or maybe he goes and plays baseball. But right now, his his primary focus is being the best football player he can be and. Um, we get, I was giving him all kinds of crap, you know, Saturday morning because, uh, I kept calling him number two now that, uh, Gage had more rushing yards than him Friday night. But, uh, obviously it was a joke. Um, and his fakes and his blocking are going to open up the opportunities for guys like Gage and Sam, uh, to, to make bigger plays, uh, because so many people, you know, um, based on his numbers and based on the way our offense is structured will, will probably flow to him a little more. Coach, you mentioned those wrinkles in the offense, and we talked in the uh, in the summer about some of those things and, and what direction you went to add a little different look within the familiar base of the Cherubusco offense. Go into some detail about the decisions that you guys made, the research you did to come to the conclusion that you could add some different variants within the wing tee. Well, we, we did some things in the playoffs last year that we really liked, um, and part of that was featuring Jake and fullback in the shotgun set. Um, and then the coaching staff, uh, you know, we go to the National Wing Tee Clinic every year in Pittsburgh. Um, saw a couple speakers that kind of got my synapses firing a little bit. And we ended up going down to Auburn, um, Alabama, uh, and going to sp- some spring practices. And I um, talked to a lot of coaches and just kind of tried to do some things that we're not necessarily going to abandon, we are not abandoning the wing tee principles that have got us to where we are, but we're trying to showcase, um, some of the speed that we have this year that we will never have again. Um, and some of those athletes that we might never have that style of athlete again on the same team. And so, um, it was a, it started in January and I wasn't really comfortable with anything, um, until mini camp. And then at the end of mini camp, I felt like, uh, we 
were comfortable with the terminology, which wasn't that much different, didn't change a whole lot for the offensive line. Um, the biggest thing was signaling things in and just not huddling. Um, so that was that was a challenge for me, probably more than the kids. The kids were pretty fired up about it. Um, it was hard for me to to not stand there on the sideline and send somebody in with the play. That was hard for me to, you know, get used to trying to play with a different style of tempo. But I think our kids have really embraced it, and they've come up with the signals and the keywords and the things that we need to make it go. Because if they understand it, I'll learn it. Um, so it's been kind of fun, to be honest with you. But uh, it's been a long process, and we're still in the process of making it right. I mean, we still have communication issues every week. Um, you know, we had one on fourth down on the first possession at Garrett Friday night that we had a misalignment and we didn't get a motion in because of the misalignment. Um, and, and probably could have had a better chance at a first down had we gotten that thing, uh, in the way it was supposed to be called. And I think that, um, the kids understand that that's a critical error. Um, that's, you know, misalignment is not a minor thing in this offense. It's a major thing. And we were fortunate that we overcame that. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be games when that could cost us the game. So we're still working through the process of, of everybody being on the same page and communicating effectively. Coach, your opponent this week in week four, East Side, sitting at one and two, but hung with an Adams Central team for a while, had some good moments against West Noble. Without giving away your entire game plan for the Blazers, what are some things you're really preparing for for Friday night? Well, they're they're uh, they're as good a team as as any in the league, um, and their their skilled kids are are probably a little younger maybe than what um, we've gotten used to. But their offensive line um, is very solid and is a lot of experience. Um, I know Coach Mason and his staff pretty well. We, you know, we 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 talk, we've hung out. You know, they're. Their coaches uh, coach extremely hard. And this is a big game for both teams because it's both of our uh, both the schools are now going into conference season, and we've had some great battles. So we know that we're going to get an absolutely great coaching job. And, and probably the thing that scares me the most is um, we know that we're going to get real quick. And I think that um, their quarterback, you know, he's only a sophomore. Um, some of the things watching film. Um, he fits into their system really nicely, and the kid is not, he's not scared. Um, he's not timid in what he does, and I think that that's pretty evident in some of the decisions he makes. He's not afraid of contact, he's not afraid to put the ball on the money, and he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field. And when you've got kids, um, that you're surrounded with that you've been practicing with year round and doing those things in that system, um, that's very difficult to defend because you've not only got athletes, um, you've got kids that, are young and they're hungry and so anything that goes positively for them uh is going to be a negative for us and i think that it's going to be real interesting to see um how our kids handle that friday night because i think that this is one of the better teams we've played coach before we let you go wanted to ask you about your quarterback you mentioned sam wood and for the last couple of years we've been used to tom richards back there making some plays vertically but also running the offense effectively uh sam in terms of playing the position at the varsity level not much experience but he's been on the field in other ways but uh, what's the expectation for him as a first year varsity quarterback to run this offense well um it's it's kind of nice for both of us, for he and I, and I'm speaking for him here because I, he might disagree, but we're learning this stuff together, and so that has been nice. Um, you know, we when we meet and when we you know we met throughout the summer, we meet 
periodically throughout the week. Um, we talk about things that he sees, things that he likes, things that he doesn't like, things that are make things a little easier on him because we are asking a lot of him, and, and there's no uh, there's no standard uh, for this offense and, and our experience to, to kind of measure him up against anybody. Hey, this is how Tom did it, so this is how you should do it. You know, Tom was solid and great for three years, and, and I still have separation anxiety that Tom's not <laughs> taking, you know, taking the snaps. But uh, it's a different offense, and so Sam is a is a great athlete. Um, he's under pressure a lot. You know, he's uh, he's the type of guy. You know, he's been at the state finals and track at the pole vault. Uh, you know. He was a state runner-up this year, so he understands pressure. He understands um, that you know you got to make decisions sometimes and deal with things that are not necessarily uh, easier to your advantage. And I think that he has the respect of his teammates because of not only because of his athleticism, but because of the way he carries himself. He's a he's kind of a goofy kid, um, and I mean that with all respect. He he doesn't get down. He doesn't get mad. Uh, he's he is the one. Uh, in the huddle who's probably, uh, you know, at practice, who's probably making a joke when I, when I lose my mind. He's probably the one that's keeping everybody grounded and, and smiling and laughing. And, uh, we need guys like that. And it helps when they're, uh, when they're a versatile athlete like Sam is. Coach, I appreciate the time. 3-0 and heading into a uh, big uh, division game coming up on Friday against Eastside. Appreciate the time. Good luck on Friday. Hey, thanks, guys. That was Coach Paul Sage, Cherubusco Eagles joining us. And, uh, Dan, we didn't even ask him about pork burgers, infamous pork burgers at Cherubusco. Uh, just, I can smell them right now, it feels like. They're very tasty, which which is where I'll be on Friday night at Cherubusco. I may have to grab a couple. I'll bring you all back some. And DC's making faces. Not a pork guy? Huh. Really? Well, we need a new producer. Have you ever been to Busco, though? Have you had the Busco pork burger? Well, no? it's, well. it's practically its own food group. Now we know where DC needs to go. On yeah, Friday. see? Maybe we'll bring him one. All right, thank you to Coach Paul Sade. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Jason Garrett, Bishop Dwinger. Saints will join us, talk about the premier showdown in the SAC coming up on Friday night. This is the Crumback Chevrolet High School Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM. On the field, your team wants to finish every drive with a score. With a new Chevy from Crumback Chevrolet, you'll prefer to keep driving. Maybe in the new and redesigned Silverado, the most dependable full-size pickup and best-in-class fuel economy. Or the Equinox, with modern design and technology, all packaged into a safe and versatile crossover. Looking for more family space? Then the mid-size Traverse will get you where you're going in style and comfort. And you can't lose with the Malibu or the all-new Blazer. Score today and find new roads this season with a visit to Crumback Chevrolet. In New Haven. New message. Department of the Social Security Administration. The reason of this call is to inform you that your social security number has been suspended for suspicion of illegal activity. If you do not contact us immediately, our account will be deactivated. For more information about this case file, press 1 or call immediately our department number. This is a scam. Thieves are misusing the Social Security Administration's authority and phone schemes to trick you into giving them money or personal information. They state there is a problem with your Social Security number or account. They claim there's been suspicious or fraudulent activity, and you could be arrested or face other legal action. They even spoof SSA's main customer service telephone number on caller ID. Don't believe them. Don't provide any information. SSA employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent. Just hang up. If you suspect you've been contacted by an SSA scammer, call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. My son Aiden has asthma. 
Second hand smoke has triggered his asthma so bad to the point where he had to end up in the emergency room. And he has spent multiple nights in intensive care. Now he's on a whole bunch of medications. My tip to you is don't be shy to tell people not to smoke around your kids. Four out of ten U.S. kids are exposed to secondhand smoke. If you or someone you know wants free help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The stigma of addiction is destroying lives across the country, preventing our loved ones from getting the help they need. We are Shatterproof, a national nonprofit dedicated to ending the stigma and devastation addiction causes families. We are changing laws, creating a community of support, and providing evidence-based resources for prevention, treatment, and recovery. Stigma shatters lives. Rise up against addiction now so another life isn't lost. Get involved at shatterproof.org slash rise up. Ask yourself what you will miss more, your children or cigarettes. As long as I can remember, my mother smoked. She died from lung cancer when I was 16. I could not take the chance of continuing smoking and not being here for my daughter. I know how much I needed my mom still, and I didn't realize it until I had lost her. You're not just quitting for yourself. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You're listening to The High School Coaches Show with Justin Kenny on ESPN Radio, 138 and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Crumbeck Chevrolet High School Coaches Show. Or during the break, we're talking about the smartest people in a room where it's up for grabs in this room. I don't think anybody can lay claim. I'm Justin Kenny, D.C. Hendricks, Dan Vance. I was was not going to be here. Everybody was excel, uh, celebrating. He's, DC's pointing to himself like he's the smartest guy in the room. Depends on the day. <laughs> Let, let's ask the next guest and see what he says. Wow, he's gonna. <laughs> it, it's pretty obvious what our next guest is going to say, right? Uh, Jason Garrett of Bishop Twanger Saints is on the line with us right now. Coach, how are you? I'm great. Sorry, I'm well away, guys. No, you're fine. If 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 Jason Garrett was here, he indeed would be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yes. No, I don't think there'd be any any any, any argument. Far from that, guys. <laughs> I'm sure with so many kids, you've you've probably been called the the not the smartest person in the room many a times, at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> that that's true. The, the, my wife is definitely the smartest of all. <laughs> See, that's how you stay married. I mean, as long as we all learn that and accept it. <laughs> And everything is everything else is fine. 
Amen. Amen. Uh, Coach, hey, uh, 3-0, and congratulations on the start. I-, I don't know where to start in terms of the accolades for your team. The offense looks great. Defense looks tremendous. Uh, it's really been uh, three complete wins for you guys. But how would you grade your team? Because as a head coach, I'm sure it's much easier to find imperfections in your squad than it is for us. Yeah, in fact, we just got out of a, you know, got out of practice, and, and some of the final words we we spoke about were who we are and and the fact that we have to go day by day, and you know, we we've had some days that we've uh, we've won and some days that we've lost, and so you know that's that's what we try to stay to. We try to get outside the bounds of looking at outcomes and things like that. I know a lot of these things are cliche, but I think it proves true. I think when you're working with high school athletes, I think when you're you know trying to Continue to build a, a strong program and keep things consistent. You got to go day by day, and you, and you got to focus on all the details. And uh, you know, there's enough of that uh, to, to you know keep each day busy. So we try to um, you know keep the guys focused on that. We are you know we have been happy with a lot of the things that we've seen, some of the maturity that we've been able to observe from from last year to this year, and a lot of our guys. And uh, you know, we're going to go into another game Friday night and uh, you know see what we can learn and how we can get better. Coach, one of the guys we got to focus in on that offense is Brendan Lytle. Has thrown the ball extremely well, 29 for 44, 465 yards. It's more than half the yards he threw for last year, more than half the completions he had last year. What has changed in your offense that you see in Brendan to put the ball in his hands to throw it more? Well, I think for Brendan particularly, it's his maturity. Uh, you know, and I think uh, the knowledge of the offense and you know, a lot of credit goes to, I think, to our coaching staff, starting with Coach Watts and, and our offensive coaches. You know, Brendan's a student of the game. He's coachable. Uh, he's fun to coach. Uh, he wants to learn. Obviously, he's got the skill set. You know, as, and then he will say the mindset and, and the heart set. He's got the skill set. So, you know, Coach Watts, you know, and, and we've made some adjustments uh, with some of the guys that we now have to be able to spread things out a little bit and and uh, so I think it's it's a collective effort, starting with Coach Watts and Brendan, his maturity, his skill set, and uh, you know putting some of those things into action, and then and then that that just you know does wonders for our running game and some other other things that we traditionally like to do. Coach, last year it was uh, Joe Tippin in that big package. This year it's Vinny Fia Cable, and he's such a goofball. I just I was laughing even as I was watching the highlight. But uh, is is he a lineman who plays running back or a running back who plays line? Oh, great question. But I, you got to say lineman that was uh, given the opportunity to play running back, and those opportunities might be uh, far far in between now. But. Uh, yeah, he's a he's become a great leader for us and doing an outstanding job. Those were some some big shoes, figuratively and literally, uh, that need to be filled uh, on that side of the ball for us on the line. And uh, he's doing an outstanding job. And he's another guy, young guy, you know, just a junior now. He's coachable, uh, fun to coach, uh, keeps things loose for us. Uh, and uh, you know, getting an opportunity to run the ball is really just a, a way of rewarding him for the hard work that he's put in. Coach, you've gotten one game in at Shields Field this year. A great atmosphere for that opener against Northside. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting on Friday night when Homestead comes in, their big student section? To You've christened the field, but this is definitely the first big game at Shields Field. Yeah, you know, uh, we're expecting a, an electric atmosphere, no doubt. Uh, we know they travel well. We, we uh, expect them to have a great crowd. And, uh, you know, I, I was telling our guys, we are so blessed and privileged. Uh, to have an opportunity to be at home and then to have 
uh, an environment that, that we will certainly experience on Friday night. So uh, it, it'll be a large crowd. It'll be a fun fun night for everyone. And, you know, like I said, as a high school young man, uh, what a great opportunity. Something that uh, they'll always remember is what we want, to, want for them. Uh, as high school young men, we want them to have these kinds of opportunities. And yeah, it'll be electric. It'll be loud. Uh, tremendous attendance, I'm sure. Coach, I know you were worried about uh, winning a football game in Week 2, but John Bennett looked uh, noticeably more stressed uh, with a home <laughs> game in Week 2 than playing over at Zollner. But uh, logistically, from what you heard, what you understood, did everything go according to plan in terms of parking and all that? Yeah, I, I have to be careful I'll answer this because, uh, you know, we did not hear one negative, uh, you know, or, or any, I guess not negative is not the best word, but just any concerns. Uh uh, the traffic uh, went well. The parking was was, was done well. Uh, everybody had an outstanding time. Uh, our team uh, provides the cleanup on Saturday morning, uh, and uh, you know that helps us uh, take some ownership of everything that's happening. So, yeah, overall, logistically, uh, it was a very successful evening. Coach, when you look at the uh, the matchup coming up on Friday, very similar to you guys in terms of being able to attack through the air, attack vertically, what do you need to see defensively with uh, Casey Colquitt, defensive coordinator, out of that group to slow down, limit the Spartans' offense? Yeah, so we're still, we're still trying to figure all that out. What, what a great offense, what an incredible for us, it's assignment football. It's we over me, everybody doing their job. You know, another cliche statement, but it's so vitally important. Uh, we have to understand that they're going to make some plays, uh, that, that they're going to move the ball, uh, and then you know we got to make sure that we're poised and, and uh, we don't get caught up in some of those things that certainly will happen. Uh, they're very explosive. So, you know, it, it's kind of that bend, don't break, uh, keep things in front of us, play assignment football, and obviously – in terms of our tradition and style of playing defense, we have to be aggressive and attack. Coach, I appreciate it. I know you're coming right off the field, making some time for us. Good luck in a big matchup at uh, Shields on Friday night. Thank you guys so much. And again, I apologize for being late. And I uh, got you those two Snickers. <laughs> DC will be happy. He's got your two Snickers, DC. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. <laughs> That's Jason Garrett, Bishop Dwenger Saints. Yo, uh, Dan, this matchup between Bishop Dwenger and Homestead, we almost take it for granted that we know what Bishop Dwenger is, right, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. You don't want to judge teams based on previous years, but it also affects your, your line of thinking. So we know what Bishop Dwenger is, right? We're not sure if Homestead can match up yet with a DeWenger or Snyder. You know, last year it was a 23 to 10 loss to Bishop DeWenger for Homestead. The year before they knocked him off 42 to nothing, but then they came back the next week, lost to Snyder. The week, the year before that, back to back losses to DeWenger and Snyder. Year before that, back to back losses to DeWenger and Carroll. Two weeks later, lost to Snyder. You see a theme here. So, Homestead, we feel they could be the best team in the SAC, but I think going into Friday, Homestead maybe has more to prove to people like us than Bishop DeWenger. Yeah, I think they absolutely come in as the underdog because Dwinger's just, like you said, you, you kind of, uh, I don't want to say forget about Bishop Dwinger because we certainly don't forget about them, but maybe we don't give them enough credit just because the expectation is so high. And, and that's something that Homestead is working towards. And, and we're kind of getting that way that now our expectation of Homestead is high, but certainly coming in as the underdog. Shield Field is going to be an interesting place on Friday. You know, Homestead is planning as best they can. I saw on, on social media to try to pack the visitor side 
with only students sits about 600 on the visitor side. So if you get 600 students there, uh, that definitely changes the environment and tries to change the uh, home field dynamic for the Spartans. I think it's going to be a really interesting place to be. Yeah, and that first game for Bishop Tewenger at home against Northside, uh, they didn't come out playing exceptionally well. Northside was able to hang around for a good quarter. Bishop Tewenger got it going on in the second quarter and beyond in a shutout win, um, but it took a while. I don't think they're going to have a slow start against Homestead. No, I, I think whoever gets out front early is going to be in a great position. I think these are both two teams that are very difficult to play from behind against. Uh, Homestead's offense is so high-powered that it's if Bishop Dwinger starts slow, it could be a long night for them, but the same could be said for Homestead. I don't think you want to get behind in this game. Two very good passers in Lytle and Goody. Over under 500 total passing yards in this game. Oh, that's tough. Um, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say over. I would agree. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I over. I think that they're gonna they're gonna test the receivers. You got great guys on both sides. You know Griffin Lytle, uh, sorry Griffin Little, Jake Archibald for Homestead, uh, and, and the reception the guys that for Dwinger that can do it. Michael Lito that we're expecting to see more of this week. Uh, I think we could see some really really interesting offense. Yeah, it should be a really really good undefeated showdown at Shields Field. Podcast by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.